Good morning again. Uh, our passage is from Galatians 5 this morning. We'll be reading the first 12 verses. Uh, but as you're turning there, I just want to say thank you. It's not, I do not take it for granted, the kindness and generosity of the leadership and the congregation of this church. I know I have been out quite a bit the past couple of months. I've had the opportunity to preach at other churches uh, in our presbytery who were, were in need of pulpit supply and even going up to High Point, North Carolina to preach at a church plant that we support. And it was a blessing for me to go there and to see them and the wonderful work that the Spirit is doing there, but it is also a great joy for me to worship with you. Uh, this, this place feels like home, and it is great to be back. So, with that being said, let us dive in to the word of the Lord. Uh, Paul is writing a letter to the church and churches in Galatia, and uh, it is it was some it has some bite to it. Uh, so let's let's dive in. For freedom, Christ has set us free and firm, and stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Paul, I, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You're severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait the hope of righteousness. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But only faith, working through love. You are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from he, him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, will preach circumcisions, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the, the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsell you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this is your word. And I ask that you bring it forth in our hearts. That you convict us of our sins, that you build our faith, that you comfort us in our hurt. Lord, I pray if I preach anything false or untrue, it fall upon deaf ears. But I pray, I ask that the Spirit be at work in us this morning as we praise your name by looking at the word that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I uh, first started in ministry, I was actually working with college students. 
as an RUF intern. It's a Reform University Fellowship. It's a college campus ministry. And as an intern, your job is like, all right, you go and you reach out to the freshmen. You bring them into the group. And anybody who's on the outside of the group that are kind of looking in, that's your job. Go minister to them. Great. So that's what I mostly did. Because uh, always there's more that entails in ministry. But it's interesting for me to see, uh, as students come into college, how they react to this newfound freedom that they uh, just have. They're, it's their first time without parents or guardians looking over their shoulders. Uh, and you just don't know what students are going to do. And it would roll the whole gamut. Uh, there were some students who would call their parents multiple times a day. I can, I'm sure some of the parents are like, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I called my parents roughly one, once a week. Uh, I say roughly. I did not actually make the phone call every Sunday, but I would receive an email if I didn't saying NT phone home. But there are students who call and run almost every decision by their parents, giving their parents a play-by-play of what every day is like. And when you're a freshman in college, you do not need to ask your parents for permission to go to the barn dance. By all means, just go to the barn dance. Everybody loves square dancing. It's fun. They, they tell you what to do. You can't mess up. It's great. But we also had students who would absolutely go wild, go crazy. When I was at Winthrop, there was one student who came in. He had a very strong church background, grew up in the church, very, uh, very well trained, as it were, uh, joined a fraternity, um, and then spent his Fridays and Saturdays drinking. And it was interesting. That was our conversation throughout most of the year. This guy who uh, came from church background, who talked about his faith, and would tell me how he continually just used the weekend to get drunk. And as we got to the spring, he was like, yeah. Uh, no, I've been drinking a lot more responsibly lately. I'm really growing in my faith. And I was like, interesting. You think you've matured, but it's illegal for you to drink, so any amount of drinking you're doing is irresponsible. Uh, And he's like, yeah, maybe. Uh, Also, could you write me a letter of recommendation so I could be a church intern? (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, Well... Yeah, I mean, he just kind of abused this freedom that he had just received. Now, this passage ultimately is about the freedom that we have in Christ and the freedom that his salvation brings. And so, what Paul is saying here, and what I'm going to encourage you this morning, or what I hope to encourage you, do not waste your freedom. This is a wonderful gift. It is marvelous. We should treasure it. But do not waste the freedom that Christ has given you. So, as, as we dive in, I do want to give a little bit of background on the passage that I read this morning. Uh, this is probably the angriest 
we see Paul in the New Testament. He's writing to the churches in this region of Turkey. And the churches he had planted, he had helped grow. And some bad teaching came in. And the teaching didn't necessarily sound the worst. It's like, no, 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 you absolutely need Jesus. All right, all right great, we need Jesus. You do need his grace. But also, you need to be circumcised. That is also a requirement for your salvation. Uh, so, you, yeah, you still have to little, do a little bit more, which is a big deal in the early church. This was a big, large conversation. As a matter of fact, we see in Acts 15, uh, it would cause such a ruckus that everybody got together. We can consider this the first general assembly. Um, all the apostles, bishops, church priests, they got together and they're, do Gentiles, this is the question they're debating, do Gentiles need to be circumcised? Now, if you're not familiar with this, the importance of it is circumcision was a process to signify that you are a part of God's covenant people. So in the Old Testament, if you, know, you wanted to be a part of Israel, if you want to be a part of God's people, you had to be circumcised. In the middle of this debate, it goes back and forth, right? Do you need, is this work required to be done? Peter has this beautiful line. And, and some, he says, why? Why? Are you putting God to the test with this? Why are you putting God to the test and placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? And Peter's like, look, Israel throughout history has not been able to live up to the standard. And Christ has given us a free gift. Why are we putting them to the test by saying, no, we must still maintain this standard? this standard. And that's the heart of the problem. And it's the heart of the problem in the church in Galatia. Do we have to earn our salvation? Do, are you, how free are we in Jesus? Someone is telling the church in Galatia, someone is telling them, you do, in fact, bear some of the shame of the guilt of your sins. Yes, Jesus died on the cross where you still bear some of it. It's, it's still on you. And that, that is what makes Paul so livid. I just pulled a couple of phrases. One, who hindered you from the truth? Matter of fact, Paul's like, no, 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 no. This isn't the truth. This is not just a downright lie. What they're teaching is a giant wall that prevents you from knowing and understanding the beauty and the truth of the gospel. And he gets so angry. So frustrated that he escalates, escalates it. And then it, you can see him 
in his anger. And finally, he says this, and this is divinely inspired. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. That's painful. That's, I'm not going to elaborate on it, but Paul is saying this is pure evil. When he says, I wish that they bear the penalty, this is the best penalty he comes up with. This is the appropriate penalty he comes up with. There is no subtlety. Paul's not looking for nuance here. But in his anger, in his righteous fury, he writes this letter. He is so vigorously protecting the truth of the gospel. He's like, why are you going back to being yoked? Why are you going back to bearing the burden? It sends them over the edge. And frankly, it should send us over the edge as well. Believer, when you hear the fa a false gospel being preached, when you hear something other than the truth being preached, it should make you angry. Because the one who is teaching it, especially if it is one who, let's say, is like me, who has been tasked with the preaching of the word and the shepherding of God's people. If they are preaching a false gospel like the Galatians are hearing, then they are leading a group of people into condemnation. And so, yes, Paul is right and righteous in his anger. And frankly, if I were to preach something false or untrue, you should be mad at me. The session should call me to heal immediately. You should look at the scriptures as I preach and say, Nathan, I don't, if you don't see where I'm coming from, ask me. If you still don't see, then let's talk with the session. Especially when it comes to matters of salvation. Especially when it comes to the matter of freedom. Paul begins his passage here for free... For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So what we see is we have been freed for freedom's sake. This beautiful bit. You know, you've been set free for in order to be free. This is a gift that Christ has given us, but we could ask the question, free from what? What was binding us so? Well, we are free. We are free from the guilt of sin. The weight. The punishment. Christ frees us from it. He, 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 he takes those burdens off of us. As John Stotts puts it, it is a freedom from the tyranny of the law, from the dreadful struggle to keep the law, 
with a view of earning favor of God. In Christ, we have a glorious freedom. We have beautiful. It's, and it does seem like everyone tries to earn the favor from God. As if, hey, you know what, if I am righteous enough, and man, I know I can fall into this, if I am righteous enough, if I do well enough, if I follow the law, if I love enough, or maybe if I pray enough, yes, that's what I must do. I must pray enough. Read the scriptures enough. If I don't, I do not want to be condemned by the Lord. So if I do these things enough, then and then God will fully love and bless me. And I'll be honest, I have tried that in my past, even, even in ministry. My last semester of RUF, I was up at Winthrop. Uh, I, I am... A co-insert of mine, he is actually the one who is planning the church in High Point. Um, he and I, our campus minister left. He's now a pastor up in Virginia Beach, where a couple of our former church brothers and sisters now live. Um, but yeah, we, were, we ran the RUF for a semester, and I was like, well, if I work hard enough, if I do well enough job here then clearly they'll let me become a campus pastor because that's what I desperately desired at the time. Now all my eggs are in that basket. I was going to be a campus minister, and I was going to do such a marvelous job that they were, had no choice but to uh, bring me on as a campus minister. Uh, that did not work. They, they actually didn't, yeah, I won't go into details, but it did not work. Uh, they told me they were not going to hire me, that I did not have a position with them. I was so busy trying to earn this favor and thinking, Lord will clearly reward me if I am amazing in this calling. And I don't know if I was amazing, but I wasn't poor in it either. But that's not what the Lord did. In fact, the Lord closed that door hard. Um... I am thankful for it. Because I got to come home. I got to be blessed uh, to be a part of the lives and love and see youth who have grown up in faith. Made their faith their own and really get to know Jesus. That has brought tremendous joy in my life. I am thankful for it. Now I'm at the point where I Man, heaven forbid, heaven forbid me that I make people earn the love that I show them. Because Christian, believer, do you understand, do you remember, do you know God loves you? He joyfully and freely loves you. And get this. Christ has seen you in the worst of your sins. He has seen you at your absolute and complete and utter worst. The Spirit, who we as believers firmly believe that the Spirit 
dwells within us. The Spirit knows our hearts, our desires, even the ones, especially the ones that we would dread seeing the light of day. The Spirit knows both our good desires and our completely and utterly ugly desires. Did you know there is no place you can go where the Father is not already there? As you, you cannot hide from the Father. Indeed, just there is absolute no hiding from God. And I bring this up so we can better understand the love of the triune God. Our Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows how truly evil we are and how we, truly evil we can be in those gross, terrible things we may believe or think. But yet it is Christ When, we, when our faith is in Him, it is Christ who clothes us in righteousness. So when the accuser comes before and says, here are all the sins of the Christian. This is all the wrongdoing that this person has committed all the times they've rebelled against the Lord. All the times that they have failed to love. We see Christ love us. We see it in Revelation 3. He, he says this, standing before the Father and His angels, standing before the great court in heaven. The one who conquers will be clothed in garments and white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I, that is Jesus, will confess his name, that is the believer's name, for before our Heavenly Father and before his angels. We see this marvelous and wonderful picture where Jesus says, yeah, they were sinners, but they are with me. Father, they are more than conquerors, and I have clothed them with my righteousness. He is my brother. She is my sister. They are my family. So, believer, if you are trying to live a life to earn the Lord's favor, if you're trying to add to the gospel, if you think, all right, yes, I believe in Jesus, but I need a little bit more, I need to make sure I understand the right things. You need to understand that Christ is Savior. And He took upon the cross your sins. And He gave you His righteousness. And through faith in Him and faith alone, we are saved. And that is how we are blessed. So believers, stop trying to earn your way into heaven. Stop adding to what the heart of the gospel is. 
And if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, maybe you're thinking, eh, look, my good works outweigh my bad. I'm, I'm okay. Or maybe you're sitting there overwhelmed by uh, the wrong that you have done in your life, thinking, I'll never catch up. You can't do it. That's, that's the good news. Is you cannot do it, but Christ has done it for those who put their faith in Him. There's, there's nothing we can add. There's no more that we can do. Understand, you're, one, yes, you're, the wrongs that you have done, even the smallest of them, make you inadequate to stand before the Father and His angels. But the goodness of Jesus, he brings you there. And he holds you there. And if you think your good works can cover up the throngs that you've done, they cannot. Matter of fact, there's a great quote. I've always wanted to use this quote in a sermon, and today is the day. But I don't actually remember who said it. Um, yes. Trying to save yourself from good works is like putting a silk bandage on a festering wound. Uh, yesterday, I, I, I had a bit of an accident, cutting down a limb, and it scraped my arm and my leg a little bit. So naturally, cleaned the wound. But if I just wore fashionable clothing or you know, something along those lines, the wound would have festered and I would have gotten real sick. But this quote, I think this is beautiful. It is absolutely what it's like to try to earn your way into heaven. Yeah, it may look pretty on the outside, but on the inside is nothing but rot and decay. The good news, we don't have to doctor ourselves. We're not the ones who have to do that. We're not the ones who have to put everything back in order the way it should be. Christ does that for us. So let us do, as Paul stand, says, stand firm. Let us stand firm in Jesus, for in Him we have freedom. Do not give up that freedom. Do not yield. Don't move another direction. Do not feel like you must do more to secure your salvation. Christ has done that for you. Just Embrace. Embrace the freedom that Christ has given you. But also, he ends, he moves from standing firm in the freedom. That is absolutely what Paul wants to do. But he's so angry at these false teachers, he comes back and he, he comes at it from a different angle and he says this in verse 13. Um, for you are called a freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, this is a bit archaic for our time, the, the way Paul uses flesh. Uh, he's not talking about the anatomy part that is between our bones and our skin. Uh, but what he's talking about 
when he says flesh here, is saying, I have freedom, therefore, I can do whatever I want. I am allowed to pursue myself however I wish. Because I have freedom. I have grace. Nathan, you told me I don't have to earn it, so I get to do whatever I desire. Well, no, but it's also not that uncommon of a reaction to Christ. Even, even people I've ministered, alongside whom I've ministered, would have this reaction. When I first got into RUF, I, was, I, went, I went to Appalachian State, um, which doesn't take long to find out as you get to know me. And then I was the first RUF intern to go and, or fr- who was from Appalachian State. And Justin Kendrick was my campus minister. Marvelous guy. He's now at a church in Spartanburg. Um, he, he pulled me aside. He wanted to give me some words of encouragement, which I needed and I very much appreciated. And as he was talking, he goes, oh, yeah, don't become an alcoholic. Not the thing I was expecting. But that was kind of how Justin was. But yeah. And I was really confused. I really was. Like, I don't, didn't expect that. And then I went to training. We had training in Atlanta, Georgia. And every night, my fellow interns uh, would go out to a bar. It's quite a bit. I mean, training's a week long. And uh, we were interns. I didn't know how we could afford to do that. Um, and the proclamation that they would make, we have the freedom in Christ to drink, which is true, but it really loses its effect when you're shouting it across a hotel lobby in slightly slurred speech. So in the end... I was incredibly thankful for Justin for many reasons, but certainly for the caution that he gave me. Because my fellow interns were doing exactly what Paul was warning against. Taking the freedom of the gospel. Taking this freedom from guilt. And using it for his own selfish desires. As if once free we forget about our liberator? And I'll be honest with you, it was hard for me not to follow along. It is, that, was, that was tough. I wasn't always successful. To avoid that mindset. So yeah, believers, we are indeed free to do things like eat meat and drink and celebrate with one another. But if those things that we do lead us from a place of light in Christ to a place of darkness, if our kindness toward others and love for our fellow image bearers begins to dissipate while we search out and seek these freedoms, that's 
That's not really freedom at all. Because we're not free, we're just becoming slaves to ourselves, fulfilling our own desires, our own passions, saying, I am what is most important. We are wonderfully free. We're free to abstain from things. Free to abstain from drinking. We are free to abstain from anything that serves no other purpose other than to gratify ourselves. That's not kind or loving. That is not gracious. There's no fruit of the Spirit in that. So do not use your freedom to indulge every whim. Jesus has joyfully and tremendously given to everyone who puts their faith in Him. He just gives freely. So we don't have to indulge ourselves. Christ provides for His people. Christ cares for His people. He, he gives us the things that we need for our own magnificent glory. He is the one who clothes us in the white garments. He is the one who takes away our sin. He is the one who sustains us. He does so in so many ways. So, and they are incredibly amazing. So, my proposition this morning was don't waste your freedom. And I've talked about a couple of ways we waste it. One, we go back to trying to earn our salvation uh, as if we want to go back in the jail cell and like, no, I can break myself out. Um, the other is we take our freedom and like, I am free and now it's all about me. So what should we do with our freedom? Well, we, let's go back to verse 13. Paul makes it clear. This is what we should do. Through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one. You shall love your neighbor as yourselves. Christians, we get to use our freedom to love with a love that is pure and selfless. We get to love with the fullness of the compassion that Jesus has given us, the fullness of the compassion that He pours into us. We get to point to others, to this marvelous liberator and Savior. Now, I don't want to spend too much on time on love. Stuart has just finished a tremendous series, sermon series on love, and I encourage everyone to go listen to it. And if you have, it'd be wonderful to listen to it again. It is, you can find it on our website or con contact the office, and we, we can even burn CDs. We will get it to you if you, should you so desire. But when Christ frees us, when our guilt and our shame is removed, we, we can go boldly go forth. We don't have to worry about ourselves. We can take rest and comfort in Christ and love in the manner that He loves. 
I mean, we have the joy of seeing His great glory. We can finally bear good fruit in our lives. We can see everlasting goodness. We can marvel in the incredible and amazing grace that we've been given. We have the freedom to walk by the Spirit. with a peace in our hearts and a joy in our songs, knowing that the Lord is with us. The Lord will always remember us. The Lord claims us. That is what our freedom grants. That is why we have been set free. That is what we get to do with our freedom. We get to delight and the loving God, and we get to delight and joyfully love others without worrying about our own guilt and our own shame from our sins, knowing Christ has taken that away from us. So do not waste your freedom. Do not go back to a lifestyle where you're trying to prove yourself worthy of glory. Do not live a life of self-indulgence. But take the glorious unshackling from sin and show the love you have received at every moment available to you. And delight in this freedom. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are incredible. Lord, I know I am not worthy of your love. I am not worthy of your grace. But you have loved me anyway. Father, you work, have worked all things out for my, and whoever believes in you, you have worked them out for you, their good and glory. So I pray for everyone here this morning and who are watching online for our community, that we come and put our faith in the cross, our faith in the Savior. And let us take joy and peace in the beautiful freedom you've given us. Amen.